0: Welcome to our Astros, our ALDS champs special. Along with me as co-host, RG Seal, and RG, are you still trying to get that champagne washed out of your hair? You still working on that?
1: Yeah. Did you break open some bottles of champagne there, or did you try to recreate the Astros uh,
0: winning locker room there in Boston? Is that what you were doing? Yeah, I was. I had my uh, underoos on. I guess what, what were you, was that Reddick? What was he wearing? Like Captain America? Yeah, his, or something? Uh, his <laughs> American flag underoos, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty fun. Well, yeah, Josh Reddick, he, he is uh, the new Colby Rasmus, so he's he he brings it in these in these uh, celebrations. But he uh, also
1: brought it in Game Four too, because he had the key hit there that really I mean put the Astros ahead for good.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to get to that, but I want to start off with the the thing about Game Four and and be honest with me, RG. When AJ Hinch brought in Justin Verlander in Game Four, what did you think when that happened?
1: Well, my initial reaction was, what are you doing, A.J. Hinch? Because I was thinking, probably like a lot of people, that Justin Verlander would be there for a game five. He would be the starter. So that at worst-case scenario, you you come back to Houston, you have Justin Verlander, you could even have Dallas Keuchel in relief. And A.J. Hinch basically said, forget that. Chris Sale was already in the game for the Red Sox. So you knew, with the Red Sox at least, that Chris Sale, with his pitch count going up, he wasn't going to be available for uh, a game five, probably. And if he were to come in the game, it wouldn't be anything more for a batter to maybe an inning, but he probably wouldn't even come in the game. You were looking at Pomerantz. You were looking at Price. You were looking at Kimbrell. You're looking at a combination of those guys. And who knows how much they would have had to give somebody like Price after he pitched so much on a Sunday with two days rest. So I think that, That was all that went through my mind as Justin Verlander came into the game. Plus, Justin Verlander had never, ever pitched in relief, not in his regular season career and not in his postseason career he would made 17 postseason starts but coming in as a reliever it's a whole different scenario it's a whole different story you gotta come in a lot of times you just have a couple of pitches you throw as hard as you can not that Justin Verlander can't do that we know that he can get the ball up to 98 99 miles per hour but also remember that game four it had been raining and even Justin Verlander said after the game that the man when he came in there he was having some Discomfort with it. He would have asked for the empires to do something. It had been between innings, but he didn't want to interrupt the rhythm of the game and ask them to do that. And he just came in there. So, I mean, all of these things, I just was surprised by it for that reason. And then all of a sudden, of course, he gives up the home run to Andrew Benatendi. It's all of a sudden the Astros aren't in the lead anymore. They're not closing it out like AJ thought, put in Verlander and then go to Giles and the game will be over. And instead, it looks like, uh oh, you you could be going back to Houston and then you have to put Keichel in there and then have maybe again like a Justin Verlander. You're not going to use him. You'd be saving him for the ALCS if the Astros are lucky to get there. So. I, I think in this kind of scenario that's why it it was kind of baffling to me but it all worked out in the end. I mean Justin Verlander did a great job after giving up that two-run shot and uh the Astros end up winning the game and AJ Hinch uh, ultimately looks like a genius for most of his moves.
0: Yeah, it's like in most sports in most uh sporting contest uh hey, if your players can bail you out, you look like a genius manager even if sometimes the moves aren't always the best moves yeah I I, I think the managers these days that they're, they're getting too, a little bit too panicky and they're they're bringing in these starters on shorter rest much more often I mean it's almost a bad trend that we're seeing because you know there's a reason why these guys are better uh, when they when they get more rest I mean that's that's kind of the deal like Terry Francona he brings in Trevor Bauer on three days rest to start game four when the Indians backs weren't even against the wall against the Yankees and, and that backfires on them. And then you have to, tra- you know, you got to trace out your whole bullpen for that game. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know why these managers feel like this is the new thing, but you know, to me, uh you still, you, ha- you could have had in game five. You could have had Dallas Keuchel coming out of the bullpen with Justin Verlander starting and Ken Giles uh, pretty ready to go. If, if something went wrong, if you left in Morton a little bit longer, you br- even bring in an, a Will Harris or some of the other guys in the bullpen. Uh, but, but, yeah, it, it did work out. You know, it turned out to be a move that worked out. To say it was the right move, you're, you're still not sure about that. But, yeah, in this case,
1: it did work out. To your point though, I, I'm also in agreement. I think that managers are overreacting these days. I mean, you saw it last postseason, that's when it really came into prominence because you had you remember Joe Madden panicking to put in a Heraldus Chapman or or taking out uh you know Kyle Hendricks after he's pitching a good game. And then you of course you had with the 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 famous with the Indians where they uh, Terry Francona was consistently putting in Miller and and Allen because he could do that and you look at even in this postseason it still gets back to starting pitching because if you look who had the better starting pitching in the series that team won the Astros got a great effort from Justin Verlander in game one a gutty effort it wasn't what we had been expecting from when he came over but that he still gave you six innings and uh and a couple of runs and then you also had in that Dallas Keuchel, same thing. He gave you a good start in Game 2. And then you could even say, like, Game 3, that was the aberration. That was where uh, Peacock came in, and he wasn't all that effective. But, but uh, you had in Game 4, again, Charlie Morton was able to give you a few innings. And even taking him out of the game, again, that was a second guess there. So it still gets back to that. You're seeing it in the Indians and Yankees series so far because the Indians – generally have the greater starting pitching, but so far it's been the Yankees with efforts from Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, CC Sabathia, and guess what? That series is all tied up as we're recording this, and the Astros are going to have one of the teams as an opponent, and a lot of people coming in said, oh, overwhelming starting pitching advantage, but if you don't get the starting pitching, if you're constantly having to go to your bullpen. I mean, it just makes the job so much tougher to win a series. And so I do think there are some good things in certain matchups. Yes, you're coming through a third time through the order, and your pitcher's beginning to weaken or tire. Maybe it's the fourth inning. Maybe it's the start of the fifth inning. You you take them out. Well, in the past, it would have been, well, leave them in there six or seven innings, and then we'll go to our setup relievers and our our closer. Well, baseball's changing that way. There are critical times in a game where you have to come in and – do those things but you know they may be tilting it too much one way
0: yeah and if the other thing is if the starters you look at it, if the starters are uh feeling that maybe they start panicking early because if your manager is going to panic then that that seems to, that seemed to me would rub off on the team that that's what I don't understand it almost sets a bad precedent for your entire team as you're going to play through these series and they're they're not winner take all best of one these are you know best of three you know best of five best of you know, seven, you got to win three games. You got to win four games to win these series and and managers, you know, I I just feel like it's like, uh, oh my God, you know, oh, he, he he had a couple of hits there. We we better get him out. I know it's only the fourth inning. And if you're a pitcher, you're like, oh, I just gave up a hit. He's going to pull me out. If I don't get out the next guy immediately, you know? I don't know. Well
1: there's certain there's certain pitchers that are gonna have still extended rope. But you're right, it's getting it's getting to be a shorter leash all around baseball where yeah, you're right. I, I would be looking over my shoulder, you know. It was like what sat what don't don't look back, someone might be gaining on you. Well it's your manager now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like uh, you, you know, you have these instances in 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 ball games, like you said, it's, I, I mean, I don't know how you can go out there and pitch. If you're a Justin Verlander, if you're a Chris Sale, if you're somebody of that elk, a Corey Kluber, unless you're having a total outing where you're getting shelled, at least your teammates know those guys are going to be there five, six innings because uh, that's just who they are. They're the elite top pitchers, but anybody else out there, you're, you're Charlie Morton's, your your Brad Peacocks, uh, your your Colin McHughes, even your Lance McCullers now you're out there you know and you're starting a game you know you better watch it because it, you know by the second inning if you're if the team is down two to one or you've given up a couple of runs they're already gonna be warming up the bullpen and and it it just it just makes it a whole different game so uh, but again getting back to the point beforehand that, that starting pitching is still very essential you need to have it you need to have that. Bridge, I think, you know, where you can use, of course, you want to have the excellent relievers and come in and matchups and have all that, but you at least need to get those first, hopefully, four, five, six innings. Quality work by a starter, so that you can shorten games, and your relievers can come and be more effective. And not only that, you're not overusing them. As we saw this year with Chris Tavinsky, he was sensational in the first couple of two or three months of the year, but then you start using him every single day and for multiple innings, and it finally just catches up. And he'll even do that in the postseason series. So you're losing if you're using guys for. 40, 30, 40 pitches, two days in a row, extended innings, and then you have them three or four days, uh, three out of four days, or wh- however it might be, I mean, that's also going to weaken your bullpen because these guys, you know, eventually not everybody's Mar- Mariano Rivera out there is going to come in and, and, and be almost uh, invincible every time out. So you're going to have some lapses and and that's another thing too, so Yes, I mean, I know the analytics and the matchups and and taking out pitchers at critical moments in game that there's potentially a chance for scoring runs then. That's the new, that's the modern era. But you also still have to have that balance with starting pitching.
0: You wonder also if you're starting to shorten these guys' careers because I I look at, for instance, uh, Andrew Miller, who was just the X factor last year, and, and Francona was just pitching him left and right, two and three innings day after day and this year it's not the same Andrew Miller he has the the injury towards the end of the year and then he hasn't been the same since he's been back from everything that I'm hearing from all the people that are that are watching him pretty closely so you look at somebody like him you look at even a Dallas Keuchel with all the work that he got his year where he gets the Cy Young and then he gets three days rest in the playoffs uh before the uh Yankees series, and I can't remember if he got short rest at all in that Royals series, but think about it. Has Dallas Keuchel, uh, has his injury history been very good since that time, since 2015? No, and 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 you're investing big money in some of these guys. I mean, luckily for the Astros, they hadn't invested big money in Dallas Keuchel, but to me, this is something general managers are going to have to think about. Now, maybe the smaller market guys are the, are the are the teams that don't have the money to throw around and they say, well we're we're only gonna be good for three or four years. We got this short window, RG, and, and maybe they just think, Well, hell, uh I I'm not gonna have the guy anyway and, and then these players are gonna have to start they're gonna have to start looking out for their own selves, you know? It's almost kinda of like
1: college baseball when you're talking about that. Remember there were always those cries in college baseball, they just go man throw throw out their pitchers and by the time they get to the major leagues, I mean they've worn out their arms already. Uh, because college baseball pitchers don't care they don't have them signed to a professional organization at that point they're just trying to win as many games as possible it it, and that's even changed a little bit over the years and stuff so uh, I I, to to your point I I think that is something that uh, as you notice most teams are trying to have homegrown pitching they're trying to develop guys that's why for the Astros it's very important not only having uh, Lance McCullers and uh, of course, they had Dallas Keuchel they developed. Uh, now you have a Forrest Whitley. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Luno is trying to build an organization, build that pitching, have as many young arms as possible. A uh, Francis Martes is another one because you know that, uh, again, as players enter free agency, pitchers have declining numbers. They have injuries. And uh, even these days, a lot of young guys have Tommy John surgery. And so, yeah, it, it almost gets the point of having quantity – uh, over quality, but you still need to have those quality pitchers too, because we've seen with, uh, yeah, with a lot of organizations you can have plenty of arms. just like you can have plenty of quarterbacks in in, in professional football. We've seen that with the Texans, but until you get like a Deshaun Watson, it's not going to change the uh, dynamic there. Just like with pitching, you have to have the Dallas Keuchel's and the Lance McCullers, and and then you can go out and acquire a Justin Verlander. But, yeah, I think that what you're saying, though, is a lot of organizations that don't have the money to spend on a pitching, and you know when you even sign a pitcher, like the Arizona Diamondbacks signing Zach Grinke to that contract, they know that in his latter years he's not going to be the same pitcher that they're signing for right now. So, I mean, all that has to be uh, evaluated when you go into uh, assigning a player and, and looking at long-term kind of
0: perspective there. Well, you think Jeff Luno really had to smile about that game four against the Red Sox because you had, you know, look at what he he's done in the last year. Charlie Morton started the game. Uh, Justin Verlander, we've already mentioned what he did. Who got the biggest hits in game four, RG? Do you remember? Of course. I mean, you had the uh,
1: a big hit from uh... Carlos Beltran, that basically the double off the wall. Of course, you had the J- Josh Reddick that, that broke up the the 3-3 tie, and, and you had Alex Bregman with the home run. You had uh, Springer with RBIs in the game. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, definitely you had, uh, like, a lot of the guys that he signed this past offseason contributing to that victory.
0: Yeah, and think about this for a second. And, and a friend of mine and, uh, on Twitter made this point, and, and it's really interesting, Adam Spillane over at 6'10", uh, made the point that, hey, it was Alex Bregman who hit that home run off of Chris Sale. Remember, RG, we were talking about this a year ago. Should the Astros give up Alex Bregman to get Chris Sale? And, uh, you know, everybody said, Luno, why don't you do this? Why don't you give up Alex Bregman? And this is why you don't give up Alex Bregman because not only does he hit the home run off of Chris Sale, but he had two home runs off Chris Sale in this series. And they really proved to be decisive ones too because, remember, he
1: hits the the start off the – game first game there he hits the home home run and uh after Springer comes up of course the first inning but Bregman gives him that early lead that kind of yeah that maybe Chris Sale is not the same Chris Sale that saw most of the season the Astros were able to jump out on him of course Jose Altuve has the three home runs in that game but then coming back you're, you're right and and a lot of people question John Farrell why do you put uh, Chris sale in there. Alex Bregman had the home run off of him in, earlier. And again, once again, kind of like hung that he, Alex Bregman guessed right on it, coming over the plate and, you know, sent it into the seats. And like you said, I mean, that, that changed the game right there because it made it a three, three game. All of a sudden it was like, the Astros are back in this. All they need to do is scratch out one more run and, and the Red Sox are deflated because they're thinking with Chris sale can close this out. and, uh, you know, as as you said too, uh, Josh Reddick, uh, another acquisition of Jeff Luno. He was somebody that was able to go in there and uh, give a really good at bat. Fought off eight pitches before actually hitting one to the opposite field. There, yeah, he 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 snuck a base hit through where there where there weren't any defenders. So th- that was another thing. I just thought that he had some really good at bats, and that's the thing about the Astros from from last year to this year. They had so many strikeouts. In previous years, they were always near the bottom of the league and, and strikeouts, and now they have much more efficient at-bats. I mean, that's that's the big thing that's changed about this team, and you saw that when you would have guys up there like Josh Reddick or even a Carlos Beltran when he comes in the game. He gives you a professional at-bat. He works counts. Carlos Correa, he didn't even have a swinging strike until the fourth game. And and so, I mean, just his progression and maturity as a hitter. So you see that up and down the lineup. And to be able to come back, I mean, let's not forget, you're coming back against Chris Sale, and you're coming back against Craig Kimbrell. And you're not coming back against, you know, somebody's four starter or their 10th bullpen arm or, uh, you know, a, a, some guy who's a, a journeyman reliever. You're coming back against arguably the best closer in the game and arguably the best pitcher in the game of – Yeah, that's debatable, of course, but these guys are in the upper echelon. So, I mean, that's why you also have to credit the Astros.
0: They went out there, and they won it against the best. And that's the same Craig Kimbrell that Jeff Luno also didn't trade for, and he ended up with Ken Giles, who ended up closing out the game. And I want to say something about Giles closing out the game in a second, but uh, Josh Reddick, you you mentioned him and, and what he did and he said he actually choked up on that base hit for the first time all year. How about that? I didn't even know modern ballplayers knew how to choke up on the bat. So that was, that was a good quote from, from Josh Reddick. And I uh, feel like I should also point this out, uh, that Giles maybe shouldn't have even given up that inside the park home run, RG, because Reddick, he should have been over there backing up that play. And Reddick admitted as much in the postgame.
1: Yeah, and he had just the day before we had seen them go over and back up one, two that Springer had missed, and uh, you have to have somebody over there backing it up. I I mean, I'm not going to get on Josh Reddick when he uh, had the game-winning, or at least the 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 hit that kind of sent the Astros on their way. I mean, ultimately Carlos Beltran's double uh, would would decide the game, but yeah, that was just one of it's one of the kooky things about Fenway Park. It's got the all those weird angles. It's at the outfield. I mean, that's what makes it the pesky pole, the green monster. It's what makes it one of uh, baseball's uh, fabled parks. And so you know, Springer going back there, you have to give him credit for trying to make a leaping catch. But once he wasn't able to do that, I mean, the ball just kind of bounced around there like it was a pinball machine or something. And yeah, after that, you know, off to the races. So, I mean, I can't uh, I can't really fault the Astros too much there, too, because or, or Giles, as you're saying, I'm sorry. Uh, because uh, yeah, that was something that uh, really kind of an error after misplaying that catch or not being able to make that catch. So, but again, it all worked out in the end. It's uh, one of those things that as long as it you know you got a W at the end, uh, you know a lot of those uh, mistakes will, will be glossed over, and and that sure was glossed over when they were popping open the champagne bottles.
0: Yeah, sorry, while you were talking right there, I was grabbing my handkerchief because you were talking about Fenway Park and all the, the intricacies, and I thought, oh my God, that makes me miss towels hill oh my oh my goodness no no that's okay that's we that's okay i don't miss the flagpole as much i, I do miss the hill a little bit that was kind of fun well, for me.
1: well but finway is one of the great parks i still do love watching it on television and everything but i'm glad that we're not going to see any more of it this year because that means the astros are moving on and i also wanted to ask you i uh, have on here uh we saw this throughout the series the astros were really the better team than the red sox better lineup uh Would you if you I know this is an Astros podcast, but if you were the Red Sox, would you bring back John Farrell next year? This is a guy. Remember, he's won three division titles. He's won a World Series. But there are a lot of people in Beantown, it's what have you done for me lately, and they really are ready to get rid of him, maybe a different voice in the locker room. But I don't know how much more, I mean, you can criticize some of the decisions, but overall, I, you know, if you keep winning divisions and getting to the playoffs, I mean, I guess if you're not going to the World Series in New York or Boston, you're you're going to be on the chopping block. But to me, overall, he's been an effective manager, I don't know. What do you think about
0: that? I'm going to just go to our guy Evan Drellick, our uh, longtime friend of the show, who wrote that you know he he's not the problem. I mean, that's a, they've got other issues, and you know, it, to me that they weren't the best team talent wise in the American League this year. I mean, I don't think they were a better team talent wise than the Astros. I don't think they were a better team talent wise than the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I just don't think they're as good as those teams. They have a lot of talent though, and that, that that's for sure. Um, One thing I I, I think we need to mention, RG, which is this is a pretty amazing statistic. Carlos Beltran now has the best OPS in postseason history by a player with 50 plus games played. Now, any guess as to who else is on that list? He's got his OPS is over a thousand in his 50 plus games uh, and postseason play. Oh my gosh! I mean, I you know, I mean, I always think like Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, or somebody like an Albert Pujols. Who, yeah, there you, you go. You those three yeah, numbers? Pujols is okay. number two, and then okay. uh, our our old friend Lance Berkman is actually number three on that list, and uh, and then two Red Sox players: uh, Big Poppy David Ortiz and uh, Manny. I use steroids, Ramirez. So yeah, that's a pretty darn good list to be on if you're if you're uh, Carlos Beltran, and I, I I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of Baseball fans, they they might not even think about Beltran necessarily, but, you know, he's definitely been one of the best clutch hitters. The Astros fans aren't going to forget what he did in the clutch, but I don't know if he's considered, you know, as great a postseason player around, you know, just by the average baseball fan out there. I I thought the other interesting stat, and I don't know if you saw this one, but only four Astros have had four hits in a playoff game. One of them was Yuli the other day. Yuli was – on fire. He's had it going in in Fenway. And I I don't think any big moments going to phase him RG uh, because that guy, he, he, he was in Cuba. I I don't think you're going to, you're going to like, Hey, this is a big game. No, I I got Fidel Castro's, you know, sitting behind me. I don't, I don't think this is a big game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing because he's played in so many big games, so many uh, either uh, with the national Cuban team uh, over the years and, Uh, having to, like you said, play in front of the Castros. And so, I mean, I really thought he was excellent throughout the series, just very consistent. And he gives you that bottom-of-the-order presence that, of course, over many years you just didn't have with the Astros. But he's just a really good hitter. I mean, he had a a 1,200, 1,261 OPS in the series there. He had nine hits and and 17 at-bats. And, uh, you know, there was a point in there where he had all those consecutive hits strung together. I mean, the guy is just he will again, that's somebody that uh, he, I know he came in late last season, but he's just able to give you professional at bats. He's a very good hitter. And he's somebody that you don't even need to have at the top of your lineup. When you have guys like Yuli Guriel or Marwin Gonzalez or even Alex Bregman or Brian McCann, you know, batting six, seven, eight, nine, That just tells you how deep your lineup is. And getting back to Carlos Beltran, I'd also like to say something about him, too. And and that's that. Yes, uh, I I was actually I don't know about you, but in Game Four, I heard that that Carlos Beltran had good numbers against Rick Porcello, and and yet you had Evan Gaddis starting for him. I mean, AJ Hinch was going on a hunch there, but I, I again thought that was maybe okay. Well, he felt that you know he's better with a four seam fastballs or two seam fastballs. Uh, yeah, I you know, that was basically kind of what the announcer said on television. And I, I'm thinking to myself though, but at, at least with Beltran, you know, you're going to get, he's, he's going to make a pitcher work. And that's, we especially saw that too when Rick Porcella was struggling and not being able to find the strike zone. I mean, and then Evan Gattis gets up there and, you know, he either strikes out or, you know, he had three outs that game. I mean, he, or excuse me, he did have the key hit over the, that, that started the rally. So also can't blame Hinch for that. And he's able to put in, uh um, Beltran later in the game for for the double. I just found that a curious move, and I'm just wondering if 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 it, you know either the Indians or the Yankees, the Astros get to the World Series, however long that go, if Beltran's going to be the pinch hitter extraordinaire off the bench, he's, is he still going to he's going to return to his uh, designated hitter role against right hand pitching because he still hits right hand pitching well. And 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 Hinch was right. I have to give him credit. He wanted him up there against Craig Kimbrell, and guess what? Beltran was able to get a, a hit, a double off of Craig Kimbrell that basically was able to be the deciding run.
0: Yeah, every time an Astro player is asked about Carlos, they just gush about him. And I said only four Astros have had four hits in a playoff game. 2004, Carlos Beltran was one of those guys. Uh, another Carlos, uh, another Puerto Rican, Carlos Correa, 2015, did did that. And then the last guy, RG, you, you might've known this guy in your days as an Astro buddy, it goes back to those days. Who else is the other guy? Do you think that said four hits? One of the one of the forgotten clutch hitters in Astro Terry cl- Poole because he had that 512 uh, average yeah. too. I think. Bingo, that's it, Terry Poole. So yeah, yep. that was pretty pretty darn impressive. And hey, if you're an, if you're an Astros fan, RG, you also have to feel pretty good that this Yankees Indian series is a five game series because no matter who comes out of it. There's going to be some a little bit tired pitching staffs coming out of this series, I would think.
1: Definitely. I mean, we're both on the same wavelength here. In fact, both of us are probably thinking, well, this Game 5 would be great if it went at 18, 20 innings and <laughs> had to de- deplete the staffs there in order to get to uh, <laughs> yeah, the ALCS. But but seriously, you're right. Uh, and it's go- it, there are going to be pitching changes because when you're in a winner-take-all Game 5 game, I, I know with Corey Kluber again, he's somebody that if he's on, he's going to stay in there. And even the same for a CeCe Sabathia, you're going to want, if he's really pitching well, I mean, Joe Girardi will go four or five innings with him. But if either of these guys have hiccups, if they give up a couple of runs, I mean, don't be surprised. I mean, they're going to be yanked early because it's just that you're in a game five, you're in an elimination game, and the season's on the line, everybody's available. So for the Astros' sake, of course, you're going to want to see as many pitchers as possible. And then when, and the Astros, conversely, it looks like it'll probably be like, uh, AJ Hint said it's likely to be uh, Dallas Keuchel because he'll be on a week's rest, well rested, ready to go. And of course, Justin Verlander pitched on Monday, so to bring him back on three days rest for a Friday game, it doesn't make any any sense because pitchers, as we've noted, they don't pitch as well on three days rest. Uh, Tom Verducci had a stat in his column that I think that uh, pitchers, the last thirteen starts on three days rest in the postseason, are pitchers are two and five overall. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that's, uh, in the rest, no decisions. So you, you really have to look at it that way that just players aren't all that effective on three days rest anymore because they're so used to four or five, maybe even, you know, six days rest between starts sometime during a regular season. They're not pitching the innings and doing all that, uh, as in, as in previous times. So yeah, I, I would think that it's going to be, but who knows? I mean, uh, matchups analytics, you might get a call from the front office and we're going to, you know, do that. So I, I mean, I'm just, going on, what I'm thinking right now would be the obvious choice, Keichel, and then you have Verlander on his regular rest for a game, too, and that really sets up well for the Astros, and also to get their bullpen some rest, too, because as we've seen, it's struggle. That was the one thing that was a real a real concern going into the ALCS, is the lineup looks awesome, the starting pitching, you know, at least with the first two starters, with Verlander and Keichel, you have two aces it's the
0: bullpen and it's that kind of back end of the rotation. Who do you think is going to be left off the roster? Do you think we're still no, no Colin McHugh in in the ALCS? Or do you, you, would you, would you bring Colin McHugh back in and, and maybe shove somebody else off of this roster? That's a
1: good question. That's a really good question because I mean, I would have to look at Colin McHugh's numbers against whoever they're facing, what they, I mean, we can't make this decision right now. It's really going to come to kind of, We'll have more clarity after because let's say that he pitches really well. I, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. The the Astros might be looking at like you know versus New York, versus. I in fact I think he got batted around against New York. I want to say in a, in a start it wasn't this year it was the previous year. So if it's the New York Yankees, I mean it was a different team back then. But at, and starting in Yankee Stadium, which it would be the case, I don't think that Colin McHugh would be on the roster. But You know, going against the Indians, I don't know his statistics there, what what he's like at at Progressive Field or maybe pitching against them at Minute Maid Park. And we know that that's always going to be a factor. But just the fact that it might be, you know, with the Astros, you know, Lance McCullers, he seemed to give a couple of good innings there and then he ran out of steam or gas. So he seems to be somebody that's slated for the bullpen. Uh, And then you have like Brad Peacock, who, again, we know uh, maybe he's good for one or two times around the order, but by the third time around in this past time, he was yanked early. Is it somebody maybe he's more effective in the bullpen because you're having bullpen problems? Who do you go to? Because uh, Musgrove had some problems in the series. Uh, Chris Davinsky who, of course, had problems in this series. Well, Brad Peacock was one of your better bullpen arms early in the season before he moved into the rotation. So, I mean, these are all things the Astros can think about now. They can look. They can analyze the numbers. But it wouldn't surprise me if they added Colin McHugh to the roster just to have that ability because he could start and then you could bring in look what they've been doing. But I, I think that one guy that did just because of the way that he was able to pitch and, and get out of jams, and he, and he has this stuff, too, throwing at 97 uh, miles per hour is Charlie Morton I think that he probably will get another start after those other guys but you know the the Astros really I mean it's it's Justin Verlander Dallas Keuchel and then it's kind
0: of like okay spin the uh spin the wheel of fortune there and see where it lands can we leave Liriano at home do we have to take him to this next series I mean I mean, Davinsky, he gets out left-handed, Well, guys. who do you
1: want? Do you want Tony Sip or Francisco Liriano? Because one of those guys we know is going to be – there. they don't have any other left-hander besides Dallas well, Michaels. Want to have a-
0: Chris Davinsky is – Lefties are batting 110 against Chris It Davinsky. doesn't
1: matter, right? We've had this conversation before because for one batter and you want to come in and the way that the arm angle is with the left-hander, and what they do, I mean, I, I know that he gave up a home run, but Justin Verlander came in, gave up a home run too, not comparing him to Justin Verlander. I know Francisco <laughs> Liriano's terrible, but I'm just saying that... that the Astros are going to have a left-handed reliever on the roster. They're going to do that. They're going to put one on there. So it's like, go look at it. Do you like Tony Sip? He pitched better in September. Would you rather have Tony Sip? Would you have Francisco Liriano? And hopefully you don't see those guys in the game. I'd rather have but J.D.
0: I, I, Davis actually pitching than any either of those two guys, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I, I know what you feel. I know what all these baseball you know, heads feel to me. I'd rather just have guys that can get guys out if you're give, if you're if you're going in there and you can't get anybody out I don't want you in I don't care if you're lefty or righty or whatever if we don't have a lefty that can get anybody out then don't put a lefty on the roster I'd rather have another good pitcher that could give you maybe an inning or two innings occasionally or whatever I'd rather have that. than than have a guy out there that's just a gas can. It's just going to give – I don't want another – Well,
1: I mean, you're right. They are gas cans and stuff like that. But that's something – I mean, that's going to be the Astros' big need in the offseason. But they're going to – again, it just gets back to the way that the – you you don't want to have something where it's also for strategy purposes, opposing manner and way that they do a lineup. You want to be able to bring in a left-hander and still, I mean, Lariano had some success. He was terrible. Okay. I mean, he came in and gave up a homer. So I don't know. I, I And Tony sipp has been terrible for the last couple of seasons. So yeah, your choices are between you have two bad choices. Um, but I, I figure, you know, I would be stunned if the Astros don't put one of those on the, the roster. Cause that's really their only choices right there and, uh, you know, they're going to at least have one of them, and you just hope, yeah, maybe maybe A.J. Hinch won't even trust him in those type of situations, but let's say it's the third or fourth inning, it's early in the game, you have a lead, and there's a big spot with a left-handed coming up, and you have a maybe a three-run lead, but, you know, th- th- this can cut it to one. Well, maybe you bring in a left-hander like Liriano then because you just want to get that one left-hander out, give him a different look, you know, and, and then you, you avert that, and you can hopefully skate by and and uh have that 3 run lead still but if not the worst case scenario it gives up a home run you're still up by one and you can lift him but i mean there are just those type of things too as, as a manager that you've got to be thinking i know people listening to this are is ridiculous it's like ah come on just put in a good reliever and I, I mean i'm i'm there with you but i'm i'm just telling you with also with the astros and when we know and and being able to have that left-hander just as comfort and and being able to you know with matchup situations because just the way, you know, a left-hander throws a slider, you know, a, a lot of times tailing away and uh, ch- curveballs, breaking pitches, you know, that's why they want to have them on the roster. So, and it's just, it, it's always going to be something in baseball is to have that mix.
0: Yeah, I, I I just know that Davinsky's pitches tail away much better than Liriano's and they actually get people out uh, And against I, – I don't – you know I understand what you're saying and, and maybe the answer is just sneaking Forrest Whitley into Lariano's uniform or something like that I know it's probably too late to get him on the 40 man roster so we could so we could activate him for this series but hey he's 19 but I don't care what, what was like Dwight Goodwin he got called up by the or, or, or Ken Griffey Jr we, we've seen guys come up at 19 and do stuff so I, I really don't care hey Forrest Whitley of if, if all it, he has to do is get like a, a one or two lefties out I mean I mean I don't care if the kid's 19 how Hard is that, like you just come in and just throw gas. That's it. <laughs> like you can't, you can't be worse than giving up home runs like Liriato does. I don't know. The other thing is, RG. I was wondering. Are the Astros, when do you think they finally get a primetime game? Maybe seventh game of the World Series, they put them in primetime? Well, if you have the
1: Yankees, they're going to be in primetime every every night. So, I mean, that's the uh, darling. You know, the reason why this was is because the Yankees were playing in the other series and the Red Sox, if that series had gotten over, the Red Sox would have been the other. I mean, they were the, the biggest draws in baseball, the Cubs, the Yankees, and the uh, Red Sox. And so, I mean, it was partially also your National League teams, too. And I I didn't mind the day baseball. I mean, it get a a lot of things. I mean, some people probably hated having to listen to it at work or do things. But you you also, if you're having these four-hour games – they're going to start in prime time at seven or eight. You're up till midnight. Well, these afternoon games that start at three or four, right? They're over by eight o'clock at night. You can still get a good night's sleep. So people maybe want to look at it that way. But uh, as to well, the your, Astros your question, games were
0: starting at like uh, one or 12 or one o'clock. So by the time you get home, the game was over with those You're... are called
1: businessman specials. Yeah. They have those at Minute Maid park. Um, but for this upcoming series, it's already been predetermined because once one is on Fox and one is on uh, TBS and essentially they have a, uh, you know they whoever whether the Astros play the Indians or they play uh the uh the Yankees it's it's going to be a certain number of primetime games because the way that they stagger it is like one you know the the times that I mean, they'll they'll be an afternoon game or two possibly just because if you have two on on the same day one team will be the uh The afternoon game, one team will be the evening game, so and and you know they stagger it out pretty well. But it's not like it is in the in the ALDS and NLDS when you have four teams and you have all these. You have to really, you don't want to have also competing games on at the same time. They like to have these windows where every game can be watched pretty much in its entirety. So, you know, most of the time the National League and American League. So for instance you know, the Astros will be starting off on a Friday. Well, the National League won't start till Saturday. So it's very likely that the Astros will be starting off Friday. And then if they play the Yankees uh, again, it may be a, a, an evening game just for networks and stuff. That Maybe all the Yankees games would be evening games because they're the biggest draw on baseball. But potentially it could also be start Friday night and then you have an afternoon game and then the NL start, series starts that evening. But I mean, they figure this out television, but it's it's much different than it's been Right now,
0: I guess I have to say this three syllables before we close things out. Altuve, Altuve, and by the way, I, I said it right that time. I know people out there listening. I've I've already gotten a, a message occasionally for this. I sometimes mispronounce it because I make it Altuve because uh, I I know how it's I know what it's supposed to sound like, but it's just one of those things that in my brain it, it it's I'm doing one thing and it comes out of my mouth another thing. If if people know that, but. You know, maybe Altulve should be what he should be called because he's got all the tools. I mean, he was just uh, remarkable defensively, offensively, base running. I mean, he was doing everything. And I just got to throw his name out there because RG, just one of the great series we've ever seen of any player in an Astros uniform, probably uh, as good or better than Carlos Beltran's series against the – was it the Cardinals back in 2004 – it, it matches up to that one. Yeah, that was an NLCS against the uh, Cardinals.
1: But, uh, well, he ended up with eight home runs that postseason, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, Carlos Beltran was on fire. That, that's one of the greatest postseasons ever. I mean, but uh, Jose Altuve, just from that game one and just what he was able – I mean, he had a – I mean, we we know this watching him all season long uh, and just how great a hitter he is. But, I mean, he hit 533 for that, for the, that series. And like we were saying – Yuli Gurriel was the other hottest hitter and he hit 529. So, but Jose Altuve, the slugging percentage was, uh, uh, over 1,133. And then he also had the OPS 1,765. I mean, that's just incredible. It's astronomical. So uh, able to score runs, I mean, he can do it all. Plus we know he's a great defensive player too. I mean, he's really, uh, the MVP. And so I, you know, that's just something, I mean, we, it's one of those things you really can't take for granted just to watch his greatness. And even though yeah, both of those guys like Correa is also a phenomenal player. I mean, Carlos Correa, just the the way that he's able to come up to the plate too and, and have really professional at bats like we were talking about earlier and, and come up with clutch hits and, and the way those two guys play the middle of the infield at shortstop and second base. I mean, we're really fortunate. I mean, it's something we're taking for granted right now, but I mean, you can see just, watching something like we've seen it, you know, before it's like, you know, these great pairs are here or these great stars are here and, you know, they're gone. So you just have to kind of like enjoy the moment and hopefully carpe diem, uh, kind of one of old phrases there
0: uh sees the day and the Astros can go on and win a world series. You got to soak it in. I mean, JJ Watt was yet another, isn't he another reminder? He might never be the same guy again. And we've seen it with Dickie Thon and J.R. Richard and, Uh, all these great Astros over the years that, you know, it it was just, it ended way too short, but Correa, Altuve, you mentioned those two guys, George Springer, I'll throw into that one. Alex Bregman. I mean, Springer with a a really good series also. I mean, there were so many guys that had great series and there's so many of these guys. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, RG, cause we we could be looking back at this in 10 years thinking, uh, yeah, we, we had about two guys that are hall of famers. And then we had, two guys that were MVP candidates on a perennial basis with guys like Springer and Alex Bregman. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And you know, that's not even including the pitchers when you're talking about uh, a definite guy that's going to be a hall of fame candidate, I would think RG and, uh and, and the guy that uh, came into the, out of the bullpen <laughs> in the game 4 Well, he's, he's going
1: to be in the Hall of Fame for sure pretty yeah. much i mean he's pretty much a lock after Saya mvp and kind of what he's done over his career and uh yeah Jose Altuve is on a, a Hall of Fame career right now i mean you put him up there with Rose and Cobb and uh, you know these each row like numbers in his first several years so uh, yeah i mean he's going to if he keeps this up you can't put him in the Hall of Fame already but he's definitely on a Hall of Fame pace but just to be able to watch them. Like you said, I also was kind of thinking to myself, with the Astros going to the ALCS, it is the first time in the American League that it can be potentially, as we know, the first team to win a pennant in the National League and the American League. But it's just so few and far between. I mean, I I, I know that, you know, a lot of longtime Astros fans will, will recognize this. But remember, it, it took till like 1980. I mean, we were just kids then, you know, with the first and you know elementary school I don't even remember that one very much against the phillies and stuff like that but it it was a it was a big series and 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 that was getting to the National League Championship series in 86 then had to go all the way from 1986 to 2004 and 2005. So this is only the you know the fifth time that this organization in its 55 year history is going to a, a league championship series which is a chance to play for the pennant and go to the World Series. As we know, the Astros at least have been to the World Series lost in four games, of course, to the Chicago White Sox at 2005, magical season. But just to even get to this stage, I mean, soak it in, enjoy these next few days, enjoy being able to play on baseball's grandest stage, having beaten The Boston Red Sox, one of the storied franchises, and you're also going to be going up against another storied franchise. No matter who it is, Uh, it's going to be the Yankees or the Indians. And these are, uh, in the Yankees, are the greatest franchise in baseball history. And then you have the Cleveland Indians, who have all their history. And you know now they have the longest drought for a World Series. And so I mean that's another long time organization. And then even over the National League, you have the Dodgers still alive, and and you have uh, the the Cubs leading again against uh, the Washington nationals, but you know, the Cubs of course, the broke their drought last year. It's just, it's exciting to also be in this post season with all these great teams. It reminds me kind of like, in you know, uh, that that when 1986 uh, and even against 2004 and five going up against the Cardinals and you had the chance of possibility of facing the Red Sox or the Yankees in the World Series. I mean, it's just those type of things. It's also, I think, a little bit sweeter, you know, if you can get it against these great organizations, even if, you know, you might say, oh, well, they're not the same as they were in the Jeter years, the Yankees or anything. It still doesn't matter. If you're able to beat the Yankees, you're able to beat the the Red Sox, you're able to get to the World Series and, and beat whomever, whether it's the
0: the Chicago. Yeah, Cup. I mean, think about that. The Astros could go to could win the World Series and beat the Red Sox, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. I mean, the three yes. baseball is three probably premier organizations in history, or most legendary organizations in, in, in MLB history. Three of the biggest media markets. that you know the Astros would would definitely get that respect. That- but even if
1: they were to beat the Indians and the Cubs, I mean, beating the Cubs these days, I mean, they're defending world champions, and they have the, the Theo Epstein and the, the genius running the organization over there, all the talent. And they're a huge media market. They're the most popular team in the National League probably uh, you know, with their fan base and everything. So it, it, that would be great. I mean, it doesn't matter. You just want to make it to the World Series and win a World Series. Ad fans don't care. But it, I'm just saying there are all these potential scenarios now if the Astros do manage to win uh, the ALCS, win a pennant, and get to the World Series. I mean, doing it against great, longstanding organizations and not to knock any a team like the Tampa Bay Rays if you were to beat them or if you were to beat somebody, you know, in the National League like the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, I mean, it's not to knock them. A World Series is a World Series. But 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 if you do it over these storied franchises with their huge fan bases and, like you said, these major markets, it just would make it all the more remarkable and that much sweeter for the first championship in Houston baseball history.
0: Yeah, but if if you're talking about beating the Cubs, that's not really a storied franchise because the Marlins have won more championships over the last hundred well, years than I mean, the Cubs. Well, but I mean, I'm
1: saying they are a friend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, we know the losing Cubs and all that stuff. But you'd be, you know, hey, I mean, we saw Bill Murray's face all over the place last year. And, and you know, you had like uh, all the Cubs fans come out of the Word Works and everybody's Chicago's all over the TV. You They put Ferris Bueller reruns on, you know, like Cubs, 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 come on. You know, I mean, they're the, the most popular franchise, even though they're the lovable losers. But you know, beating them—they're—they're they're a long-standing. They've had you know so many years of their their tradition and everything. And if, and also they're a former opponent of the Astros. And the at, at, you know the Cubs and the Cardinals were the Astros' biggest foes back in the NL Central. So that would also be sweet about it too. And so yeah, I I just think there are a lot of great storylines of the Astros just making it to the American League Championship Series now. I mean, Houston's got to be everybody's excited and you know talking baseball and and and, and, it, and it's just exciting to have this because it it's only happened this will be the fifth time in Houston history that you have it. So, uh, cause we remember all the times with Bidju and Bagwell and being knocked out of the divisional round. It's almost watching this national series. I don't know if you're kind of feeling the same thing too, but I was discussing this with a friend of mine. It's like, you look at the nationals. I mean, you know they've had all these great regular season teams. It's like the Bichy and Bagwell teams in the 90s, and they get knocked out in the first round. They can win 100 games, and they get knocked out, and they're on the verge, the precipice of being knocked out again by the Cubs. I mean, maybe they'll come back and rally and and face the Dodgers in in the National League Championship Series, but right now it doesn't look like it. And and that's what the Astros. I mean, a lot of times the Durker years where you had all those great teams, they just weren't able to you know, win a pennant or, or, or even get to a a championship series. So, I mean, getting this far winning series and having that feeling and, and the Astros came close even two years ago, if not for the Carlos Carrera era error and, you know, the, they blew the four run lead against the, the Kansas city Royals. I mean, they would have been in this position possibly two years ago. And so, I mean, that's, what's exciting about this young core. They're exuberant, but they also have shown a resiliency. They can come back. They were down in the games and, you know, you know, facing possibility of going back to Houston for a game five and you know I mean and still found a way to win it so I mean I think that's all stuff to be excited about but also at the same time like we said enjoy the moment enjoy this time go pop your champagne bottle go get your uh, Reddick underoos or whatever you want to do go make yourself happy go run out in the streets of Houston
0: and just enjoy watching Astros baseball at this time of year well we might do a another Astros podcast before they play the first game but we're definitely going to have a couple of post games, I'm sure, as we go through the ALCS, so keep an eye out for those. We're going to try to keep doing those, and hope you guys are enjoying that. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, uh, an extended Astros celebration here. I think they deserve it, and uh, can't wait for the ALCS to get going. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Go!